What's going on, Case Catholic family? It is Wednesday, September 6th, and this is Case Catholic Radio. As always, I'm your host, Steve Perry, and as always, I'm happy to be here with y'all. So, yesterday, we were using scripture to break through this common misconception that God was really different in between the Old and New Testaments. If you missed that one, definitely take a step back and give it a listen, because it's really relevant to what we're talking about today. As we were finishing up, I mentioned that there were more dimensions to that question that we're going to get to today and tomorrow. What we're going to be doing today is taking a look at the other side of yesterday's coin. Meaning that we're going to take a look honestly at the fact that it is true that in many places, the Old Testament does emphasize the fearsomeness of God, whereas most of the New Testament seems to emphasize His gentleness and forgivingness. And we're going to talk about why that may be. So if this is a question you've had or are interested in learning about, strap in. Or if you're like walking around on campus or something and don't have anything to strap into, um, uh, listen up and keep walking. It's good for you. Alright, so to answer the question of why there are many places in the Old Testament where God's fearsomeness and power is emphasized, versus the New Testament, which seems to emphasize his fatherhood and lovingness, we need to look at the people of the Old Testament, psychologically and sociologically. If we start at the time of the Exodus, think about what the Israelites had experienced. They'd been in Egypt for sla as slaves for, I think, er, no, 400 years. And for all that time, the only notion that they had of divine beings was the Egyptian gods. The Egyptian gods were regarded for their power, and they, and they believed that they had given the Egyptians the power to conquer, as far as they knew, the whole world. So to the Israelites, that is what it meant to, what it meant to be a god. It meant to be fearsomely powerful, to demand offerings, and to help your people when they're obedient to conquer their own land. So when God, in his time, decided to reveal himself through Moses to the Israelites, he had a couple of options. Option number one, he could have revealed himself immediately as the loving and forgiving father who we have come to know that he is. But what do you think would have happened if he had done this? Honestly, he would have been completely ignored by the Israelites because to them, this is not what a God is. If he's not demanding, if he doesn't make some great show of power, if he doesn't make us more powerful as a people, then he's not worth our worship. So option one is out. Option two, knowing that as they were, the Israelites wouldn't worship him as he is, he could have wiped the slate clean with them. He could have wiped their minds of all the notions of God that they had learned from Egypt so that when he showed himself to them, they wouldn't be held back by these Egyptian preconceptions and they would enter into relationship with him. This is honestly probably what I would have done if I were God. So why didn't he go this route? Well, one thing that God has revealed to us, that the church teaches without compromise, is that God will never override our free will or circumvent who we are in order to perfect us. He always meets us right where we are 
and with eternal patience guides us towards perfection. Which is, spoiler alert, option three. Option three is, knowing who the Israelites were, what they had come to believe about gods, he could begin his relationship with them by emphasizing those parts of who he is that they expected to see from gods. To do that, he would need to make a fearsome show of his power, so he did that with the Ten Plagues and the Red Sea. He would need to demand sacrifices that looked like the sacrifices the Egyptians made to their gods, so he did so by demanding the sacrifice of a lamb for the Passover. He would need to give this small people the power to conquer their own land, so he showed his care for them by doing this in the book of Joshua. He did all this so that Israel would commit to him, and so that having their commitment, he could gradually, through the centuries, change and perfect them, and as they became a more perfect people, who knew what is good and right and just, he could show more and more that he is a perfect God, who in his innermost being looks very little like the gods the Egyptians had invented. And you see in various points in scripture, a lot of which, I would even say most of which, are in the Old Testament, God pointing back to those first centuries of his covenant with Israel, when he showed them himself as a powerful and exacting God, and telling the people that that is not who he wanted to be for them. In Psalm 51, for example, he tells us that he did not desire burnt sacrifices of bulls and lambs. The only thing he desired was the sacrifice of our hearts to him. In Isaiah 43, he outright tells us to forget the things of old, and that he's doing a new thing, that he will blot out the transgressions of his people and remember not their sins. He says something similar through the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 31 of the book of Jeremiah. This time he promises a whole new covenant, one in which he will forgive our iniquities and cast our sin from his memory showing us that he does not desire to be a God that holds our failings over us, but that he reaches through our failings to draw us to himself. And then starting in Matthew 1, the first page of the New Testament, he fulfills that promise, bringing that new covenant to us as a human person in redeeming us at the cost of his own life. The Israel who was in Egypt could never have accepted the revelation of Christ, the revelation that God is love, and that he is love poured out for us. Indeed, even after a thousand years, a thousand years later, many of the elders of the Israelites, of the Jewish people, still rejected him. Knowing this, he ever so gradually revealed his innermost being to us, so that when he came to tell us the full truth about himself, that truth would rest in our hearts. Like I said yesterday, guys, this notion is called progressive revelation, and it's something that the church stands firmly behind. Throughout ancient history, God was gradually, meticulously, revealing who he truly is to a humanity that he was gradually forming to become able to accept him. And then, when the world was ready, he revealed all of who he is in the person of Jesus the Christ. Well, that's all we've got for you guys today. 
Tomorrow, we're going to be finishing up this series by talking about how this notion isn't irrelevant, lofty, abstract, or unimportant to our daily lives, but it becomes extremely important and immensely grounded and personal when you look at it through a different lens. So with that said, we'll catch you guys tomorrow. Until then, remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Peace!